Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's the Clash of the Titans terrifying <laughs> Halloween countdown special. <laughs> and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better, and welcome to part two, and indeed, the finale of our Halloween Countdown series. So on Monday's episode, we found witches plenty in England's delightful seaside resort of Torquay, and now, rather less surprisingly, we have a trio of bickering hags and boy do they bicker, brought back from the dead in Salem, Massachusetts. A place famous for its less than tolerant approach to witchcraft. From 1993, it's all a bunch of hocus pocus. We'll have a champion at the end of this show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Clash Butters. I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light the candle. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Been a fun Halloween countdown. Been a really fun Halloween countdown. The finale is upon us. And as they say, all good things must come to an end. So, hocus pocus. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, wait. Trick or treat. Okay. Trick or treat. You have to stay into the microphone. <laughs> Trick or treat. Right. What's happening? Do you want some sweets? This Look. is not trick or treat. Oh yeah, treat. Right. Go treat. <laughs> yep. Do you want oozing skulls Ooh. or um, bat wings? And they're vegan, I think. I take uh, the ingredients. I don't really know. Okay. I, I, I tell you what, you should have the one with the least ingredients just so there isn't any beef in there. <laughs> There you go. I don't want beef sweets. <laughs> you do? Gelatin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, pig. pig. Is that right? I don't know. Ooh, thank you. You're thank welcome. You, A fizzy whizzy wing. There you go. Oh, it's no, it's proper Halloween. It really does feel like Halloween. Yeah. Um, I actually, 
The problem is I really want to eat one because I could yeah, can't eat quite on the pod. like the sugar hitch right now. Yeah. Uh, because I feel Hocus Pocus is a movie best dealt with fucked on sugar. <laughs> Absolutely flying <laughs> off your trolley on sugar. So this might help. So um, I'll tell you what. My get... um, synopsis is quite long, so Great. you could like munch your way through I've those. Just read my fucking mind. <laughs> I was literally like, I'm going to wait, I'm going to introduce your synopsis and then I'm going to stick one of these fizzy whizzy wings in my mouthy, wowthy, wowth. You want me to go? Um, yes, please. Wait, hang on. No, so Chris took us through the witches on Monday, which means, Victoria, you get to guide us through Hocus Pocus, please. <laughs> 300 years after the Salem witch trials, a young boy who's definitely a virgin, because so he should be, because he's basically a child, resurrects the only women murdered in the 1690s for being actual witches, rather than, say, having a vagina and opinions, which is what did for the rest of them. Fortunately... The potion I brewed the night we were hanged would keep us alive and young forever. <sighs> Unfortunately, the recipe for that potion is in my spellbook and the little wretches have stolen it. Therefore, it stands to reason, does it not, sisters dear, that we must find the book, brew the potion and suck the lives out of the children of Salem before sunrise? Otherwise, it's curtain. So it's all Hallow's Night and the witches pick up where they left off, enchanting the children of Salem to steal their souls and stay forever young. Use thy voice, Sarah! Fill the sky! Bring the little brats to die! <laughs> it's a race against the clock as they must complete their plan before sunrise. So they stop off at a secondary school for an amazing song and dance number, wasting at least ten minutes. The sun does indeed come up on time and they're thwarted. Here's a spell. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble, buy me a watch. We are home! Are you boys a little old to be trick-or-treating? <laughs> Talking about three ancient hags versus the 20th century. How bad can it be? Now they're digging up old friends. <laughs> and running amok. Looking for the one thing they miss most. Ooh, stay for supper. I'm not hungry. Oh, but we are. Only one boy has the power to stop them. Prepare to die again. You have no powers here, you fool. Before all Salem falls under their spell. I need more time. <laughs> Did I go too fast? <laughs> Don't worry. I very much enjoyed my oozing skull and uh, that introduction. <laughs> You're good to go. Fizzy wizzy wings are the kind of things that get stuck in your teeth. <laughs> oh. um, so, shall we just briefly talk about our individual histories with this film? Because you, Alex, even though you won this poll, this popularity contest, mm. I believe you've never seen this film. Okay, I'll give you my um, my history of the movie. So, uh, I um, used to know a lot of people for whom this is their favourite Halloween movie. And then I watched it for the first time, and now I know less people. <laughs> What about you? Yeah, I can't remember. Really? Oh my God, this was such a big film for me. Because I remember being super excited about a film that year and getting a poster for it early and putting it on my wall. And it's the film that's the reason this film has a weird release date. Okay. Because Disney's Halloween film in 19... What year was this? 1993. Was The Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. And so that was the one I was excited for that year. And I had the poster up six months before the film came out. And so I don't think I saw this because it was weird. It came out in the summer, in the middle of the it summer. Did, yeah. And it felt weird to have a film out at that time. So, um, 
Also, I think we should stop calling it a film. It's not really. <laughs> it's not really. Oh, I'm excited for this. Films, films tend to uh, have something called a story uh, <laughs> as opposed to a, a collection of events thrown together willy-nilly. Well, everything came together for me. I love witches um, and I crucially loved Eerie Indiana when I was a mm, child. Mm. Um, so, And I love a ghost train and I love a theme park haunted house and the, the silliness and the sort of child-friendly version of horror and all those daft witch tropes I'm a massive fan of. And so I went to the cinema to see this, super excited. But mostly to see um, the boy from Amy Indiana mm. in, in his big screen debut. Did this get a cinema release then? I, to me, yeah. watching this for the first time, I thought this was a, a Disney home movie thing. You know, when you see it on the Disney Channel, it's like one of those movies. I didn't realise this was in the cinema. I, you see, I don't think I was into horror enough at this time. Not I think horror the only thing, yeah. The only thing that got me interested in it was Bette Midler. Because I watched the film Ruthless People when I was way too young. Right. That is a very rude film. <laughs> that is incredibly rude. And I was about eight and I watched that a lot when I was eight. You so. had such a weird history. So you stayed away from even slightly <laughs> scary movies, but you'd watch something like Ruthless People yeah. age eight. With Danny DeVito. <laughs> he's, he's funny. Well, it's funny. You should say that it feels a bit like a... T- well, are you saying it feels like a telly film? Yes. Or just, yeah, all right, fine. Because it was going to be... It's going to be really helpful for what I'm about to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if you could just say that. So it was supposed to go straight to TV. It was going to be part of... Uh, it was going to be a Disney TV film. Um, but actually, I don't know why it ended up on the big screen. No, anyway, neither do I. No, that's interesting. <laughs> so it was about 1985 and the writer and at the time documentary director Mick Garris was working on the Stephen King anthology series Amazing Stories, which I've never seen. Has anyone seen? Spiel- yeah. yeah, Spielberg um, yeah. anthology series. Yeah. Is that what I just said? No, I said Stephen King. It's Spielberg. Yeah, he did a Stephen King movie called Sleepwalkers. Yeah, sorry, I've got my Stephen's confused. And he did the Stand TV movie, and he oh. did Bag yeah. of Bones. He's done a lot of um, yeah. He's done a lot of Stephen King. Sorry, I've um, reversed my Stephen's. Um, so uh, David Kirshner, a producer on this, he says that it was a story based on a story he used to tell his kids at bedtime, um, which is well, like you've just said, not much of a story. So I don't know. There's three he saw it. He and- was he was sitting with his daughter and a cat walked past them and he said to his little daughter walked on their porch said oh that cat used to be a boy oh okay yeah, and 300 years ago yeah that's, that's cute mm, where the story came from and also so David Kirshen and Mick Garris get a writing credit but so does Neil Cuthbert from Pluto Nash why were, did we have a massive conversation about Pluto Nash recently is it on the list <laughs> no <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> It is on the list. I don't. I don't believe we've ever spoken about Pluto. We now. have. We, we talked had a about it. Conversation about. Are oh, you just pretending you don't remember? It was in the pub literally a week ago. I said, "Let's do Pluto Nash," and you went, "The quiz. We've got to concentrate on the quiz." <laughs> I'm talking about Pluto Nash. What is the capital of Congo? We came second in that quiz. We so did. If we'd focused a bit more and spent less time on Pluto Nash, we might have won. That's all I'm saying. And it's also on the list. It's definitely on the list. Okay, good. Um, so then you've got Kenny Ortega. Ortega, Ortega, Ortega. I actually didn't look it up, uh, but he's very well known as a choreographer, and he'd also done Newsies for Disney. So then he ends up in charge of this. Um, a little bit about casting. It's a bit of a shame for Omri Katz because all the stuff I read about casting was more about we were so close to getting Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> and it didn't happen. But no one was like, oh, so we were thrilled to get. Oh, me cats, which I, think is a bit I, I watched him talking about it. Um, he said they told him he didn't have it. Oh, he really? auditioned. He was told we haven't got the part, and they said we decided we didn't want him. And then what? We... Leonardo DiCaprio? No, Omri Katz. Oh, okay. And then they said we saw like hundreds of other boys. Yeah. And then I watched his tape again and was like, oh, actually, this kid's quite good. And so He's he got the reason told. I went to see it. He got told like a week before 
that he he had the role. Yeah, it was very last minute. It, actually, a lot of the a lot of the kid actors in this, it was all quite last minute. At that point, I imagine uh, they'd already cast Alison, uh, his uh, girlfriend to be in yep. the movie, which uh, could explain uh, the fact that she looks like she's five years older. Than him. <laughs> <laughs> I had a thought. I thought you say she's taller. Than, she is taller than she her. looks. She looks older than him. That first shot in the classroom when they're sitting together, you're like. Either he's a child genius who's been bumped up or she's been held back about five years. <laughs> yes. Okay, fair enough. Um, so that's, I mean, and there's going to be a Hocus Pocus 2, which is on Disney+, Plus, um, which will be directed by Adam Shankman. Um, so it's going to, well, the th- the feeling is it'll be much more <laughs> of a musical version because of his history. It's a, do you think it's because that's the good bit of this movie? Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> what, what's the only good bit in Hocus Pocus? Because we should do that more in the sequel. It is interesting that you didn't like it. I suppose even, I'm, I mean, I remember not, ah, oh, I don't know, it's hard because it's beloved and I do love it in that way. But if you're looking at it cold... And I, I have a theory. I do have a theory as, as to why it's so beloved, which I, I've already said. It is because this is the perfect movie to show kids who have literally just come back from trick-or-treating full of, like, what you've just given me, fizzy-wizzy wings and bleeding <laughs> skulls, and they are downing them like there's no tomorrow, just smashing them into their faces. <laughs> and you want a movie that is full of bright colours, that no scene lasts any longer than about 30 seconds, and that everyone is shouting as loud as they can at each other because as a child, full of shuggy, like, this fucking brilliant! It's brilliant! Bette Midler's shouting at someone else and someone else is shouting at someone <laughs> And there's a lot of shouting, and now I'm shouting. Give me another fizzy whizzy wing. <laughs> so, shall we talk about uh, the film, or should we just draw a line? <laughs> <laughs> this is a beloved Halloween film it that is. many of our audience voted for. Yeah. Okay, so we open in 1693, uh, which is when North American people had English accents, I noticed. Go on. I mean, I, I know I wasn't asked, but I did actually bring a tiny oh, bit I'm of sorry, sorry. trivia yeah, of my own. Go on. I know you normally throw it out to the, the crowd, yep. uh, us, and uh, I just wanted to, to uh, discuss uh, the origin of Hocus Pocus. I thought you, Victoria, might be interested to know where the words Hocus Pocus come from. I am interested. Tell me. Uh, so the earliest known use of Hocus Pocus in the English language was in 1635 when a book on magic was published anonymously under the title Hocus Pocus Jr. Now, as to where... The hocus pocus in that title came from two interesting theories. The first is that the Archbishop of the Church of England in 1694, John Tillotson, he says, in all probability, those words hocus pocus are nothing else but a corruption of hoc est corpus Mm -hmm. by way of ridiculous imitation of the priests of the Church of Rome in their trick of transubstantiation. Okay. I didn't know about the Church of England. Basically, don't believe that bread is the body of Christ and wine is yeah. the blood of Christ, like Catholics do. So he that was, was that was a big sticking point. <laughs> he was having a right pop at them, going that uh, hoc est corpus is where mm-hmm. hocus pocus comes from because it's all nonsense. Okay, uh, but even better than that, which I think you'll like, is others believe it's uh, about a Norse magician who in folklore is called Ocus Bocus. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to believe it comes from Ocus Bocus. Excellent. I'm done. Okay, good. So let's establish the Sanderson sisters. They're for real witches, uh, probably quite unusual at the time, since witches, unfortunately, are not real. Um, They suck the life out of poor Emily Binks, um, but they do look good on it. So I kind of get it. Um, And so their characters, it is a bit difficult. So Sarah Jessica Parker is Sarah and she's the silly one, but she's got her tits out a bit. Kathy Najimi is Mary. She's also silly, 
but is listened to a bit more by their, I assume, older sister, uh, Winifred, who is the very, very good Bette Midler. Hmm. Um, Shall we address this major problem right now? Go on. What, how, how do you get a script this far and go, right, you've got Bette Midler, she's the arrogant one, she's in charge, she tells the others what to do. You've got Sarah Jessica Parker, she's the ditzy one, she's away with a fairy, she does stupid stuff. <clears throat> you've got the other one. <laughs> Yeah, what, what, what's her thing? What? I can tell you what her thing is because <coughs> um, I looked up. There was some stuff in the script that didn't make it into the film. Right? Do you? Can you tell who her father is? The actress or the witch? The, the character. They've got different fathers. The idea is okay. So Sarah Jessica Parker's character. Her father was the village idiot. Okay. Right. That's why she's like that. You're not going to guess this. So I will tell you. No. Her, her father is supposed to be a bloodhound. What? Her father was a dog, and so that's why she's good at sniffing children. And she, the, the stuff she's doing with her mouth, and she scratches herself, she's supposed to be acting like a oh, dog. Oh, I did wonder, because she has like a sideways lip The sideways thing. mouth thing is supposed to be her like doing an impression of a bloodhound. Because it's so distracting. But it's not explained. Yeah. And and she's, talk, she's talking about it in behind-the-scenes interviews. So, well, I'm obviously a dog, and that's what... <laughs> no, it's, see, it's not. It's not obvious. Let's, it's not uh, obvious, Cathy. Let's go back to explaining what the word obviously means, Cathy. Um, do you know, it would have been so much simpler if you'd have Bette Midler, the angry, shouty boss, the stupid ditzy one in Sarah Jessica Parker, and then the deadpan thicko who's just like, what? What have I done wrong? And it would be, it would work. Then you'd understand the dynamics. It'd be like the Three Stooges. I think it is an issue having two of them be stupid. Yeah. The, the, two of them, the characters, you know, one of them has to be not stupid. No. It has to be something else. No, you just need stupid in a different way. Not both of them being sort of like, it's just, it makes no sense. Well, with Sarah, it's the idea is that she's very sexual. Her, although she's stupid, she's the most evil of the lot because she's, isn't calculating she hasn't learned to be evil she's just it's naturally comes to her to want to lure children away with yeah. sweets and sexuality mm. yep um kathy najimi though nearly didn't take the role i read this <laughs> is this true yes because i've seen her talk about it on a chat show Go on, tell <laughs> she <me>. was <laughs> did she use the word obviously <laughs> she said she was worried about <clears throat> perpetuating myths of witches being evil and ugly and she didn't want to do that because not all witches are like that and also they're not real i, I guess a lot of women do I, I lived opposite a white witch when i was at uni she believed she was a witch so i think some women do believe they're witches and she didn't want to offend those witch ladies yeah i mean i i mean we can get into this for a minute if you like since no. <clears throat> alex is just gonna slay hocus pocus for 20 I'm, I'm, I'm not there is there is stuff i like <coughs> that's a lie why did i lie <laughs> Uh, just for parity, I suppose. Um, I do, you know, I believe that women uh, and men were categorised as certain things because they were they had certain uh, skills, like healing and gardening for her herbs, etc. Herbs. Um, herbs. But herbs. I, yeah, but I don't... Try that again. <laughs> <laughs> Are we trying to appeal to our American listeners? All we've of we've a got sudden? one, haven't we? We have <laughs> one of Chris's mates. Yeah. yeah. We've Hi, got, Chris. Yeah. Hey, hey, Chris. Herbs. Hi, Chris. We've also got more English <laughs> listeners. So. Herbs. Yeah. Herbs. Anyway, um, but have I bored on to you? But I'll just... Let's just get this out of the way because it's going to bug me otherwise. Did you know that... Um, I know this because I grew up in Blackburn under the shadow, I'm going to be poetic, of Pendle Hill. Do you know the Pendle Hill Witch Trials? So the Pendle Hill Witch Trials was in 1612 and, oh, I've written it down, I think it's about 11 people were hanged for witching mm. and it was two major families in the area sort of grassing each other up and sort of co-conspiring and saying, no, she's a witch, he's a witch, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, what they were probably doing was extorting people and begging and the, each family wanted to have uh, the run of the town and were trying to get the other family pushed out, mm. which resulted in, in them all being hanged. So that didn't go very well. 
And at that time, you could go to a judge and you know the stuff about like the witch finder general and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you could say, this woman has done this, therefore she's a witch. And what happened after the Pendle Hill, the Pendle Witch Trials and, you know, during that time period, wasn't that all of a sudden the jury and the legal classes sort of woke up and went, oh God, you know what? That sounds like nonsense. It was that the burden of proof became more exacting. And so in order to not be a witch, it wasn't that someone went, of course you're not a witch because witches aren't a thing. They went, well, she has to be able to do this and do this and do this. We don't just want to drown and hang people on a say-so. We Mm. want to be able to see she's a witch. And because you can't prove you're a witch because they're not real, that's how the practice died out of people being hanged for being witches. Or also you're a smart witch who when they go... Turn that person into a frog. Oh, you I go. Thought of that. You go. I can't. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, but uh, not oh, a witch. And now I'm going to live. Yeah. And pass it on. Yeah. 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 I, I'd not thought of that. Oh, well, I mean, you know, if only I'd been around then, I'd probably been king. <laughs> he would have been witch finder general. Alex would have. Hundred <laughs> percent. Just a loose witch finder general. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Matthew Hopkin. <laughs> Anyway, back to the film. So, important plot point. Emily's I've brother... been to Salem, by the way. Have you? Mm, yeah. What's yeah. it Just, like? I didn't I've, I've never I didn't grow up under the shadow of Pendle Hill. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been uh, to to Salem, um which obviously does have uh, a lot of uh, very very good and informative museums all about witchcraft and the witch trials, uh, which I didn't go to. I went to a shit wax museum full of very, very ropey looking witches and laughed at them and then left. That's better, I think. In in the museum shops that you went to, do they have Zippo lighters at the till as an impulse buy? (laughs) (laughs) That took me by surprise a bit. (laughs) Do you know, I'm trying to think of the number of films where I've gone, well, Zippo are clearly a sponsor. (laughs) And there are very few where you go, this is interesting. Because it's not just a lighter rack, it goes Zippo. And yeah. he's like, and he, Max, uses that Zippo at any given opportunity. Yeah, he he's loves like, that Zippo. He's like, I light a candle. Yeah. Oh, here's my like Zippo. Yeah. Oh, we're in a dark crypt. Light my Zippo. <laughs> oh, I need to open a can of soup. I'll use my Zippo. <laughs> it's so inappropriate. Uh, anyway, Emily's brother, Thackeray, is turned into a cat forever by the witches. Now, Thackeray can talk, but there's a scene here where he runs up to his dad, who's like, where's Thackeray gone? And he doesn't go, Dad, I'm down here. <laughs> so then I thought maybe Thackeray had to learn to talk. Hmm. And maybe there's a, a spin-off or a something film here where you could see Thackeray going to school and like moving through the ranks and learning basic sentences and then being like, okay, now I'm a talking cat and now I'm coming... I mean, if there if there is an opportunity to put uh, the brakes on Hocus Pocus two <laughs> and actually make Becoming Thackeray, then I'd watch Becoming okay. Thackeray. Cat's got my tongue. Perfect. Oh my god! It'd be like regarding Henry, the Harrison Ford movie, <laughs> oh, no. but with Thackeray the cat. Okay, so that's a good idea. Uh, so let's. Oh, and then the witches are going to be hanged, but before they die, they cast a spell, which means if a virgin, and we will talk about this, lights a candle, they'll be back. Uh, so now we're in the present day and we meet Max, who is Omri Katz, who, as I've said, I went to see this film because of him, because of Eerie Indiana. But his agent must be like, his this kid's job is to be the person that moves to a small town and mm. cannot believe what's going on. Because that's his role in Eerie Indiana and also in this. Yeah. And to be a virgin. And to be a virgin. <laughs> well, let's talk about it now. It's so weird. Well, so, uh, first of all, 
the weird thing is, this is a Disney movie, and I'm I'm of the sort of frame of mind where I sort of think of Disney movies as like the Jonas Brothers purity rings. That's Disney <laughs> to me. They deny sex ever existed, and certainly doesn't until you're very old, very married, and a king or queen who <laughs> had a princess for a daughter. Then you must have had sex, but it's never mentioned. And here. The joke seems to be throughout this movie that it's impossible to believe a 15-year-old boy is still a virgin. And he doesn't really look 15. Not, I mean, he looks quite young, I think. It's, it's a lot, and there's a lot of virgin shaming as yeah. well. He's, la- he's the butt of many jokes because he's a virgin. But who does the shaming? His eight-year-old sister yeah. is the one who goes, ah, oh, he's a virgin, by the way. It's like, what, what, what has Danny, his little sister, Thora Birch, what, what has she done it, has she gone into Max's room, read his sex diary? It's just blank pages and gone, oh, this will be a laugh. I'll definitely mention this. His sex diary's empty. Because you- the, the end point of that joke is he goes, well, so are you. And then she goes, no, I'm not. And then where are you? <laughs> you've, got a sec- you've got a sex diary. It's- Everyone's got a sex diary, Chris. Oh Don't be ridiculous. God. It's full. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm so- I'm, I am. I am actually sorry. But I, you know what I blame? Hocus Pocus. Uh, so, yeah, we do meet da- uh, Danny, who is uh, Max's super cute sister. How's she introduced, though? Here's another problem I have. She's hiding mm. in a wardrobe. Yes. Okay. Right. And Max comes in and sort of grabs a pillow mm. and sort of starts spooning a pillow mm. and going, Alison. Mm, she's very lucky she didn't see. Alison. W- what else could have happened in that scenario which is I think that, he was building up to something he was he clearly was, he, yeah. was, he was definitely going to do some dry humping or who knows what if you're his little sister in that cupboard what do you do in that scenario do you sort of go <coughs> <laughs> do you sort of subtly let him know is that the least embarrassing thing or do you just stay silent and watch your older brother masturbate over a pillow and deal, deal with the scarring I think you know the answer to that <laughs> It's her own fault. She didn't, shouldn't be in the bloody cupboard. She shouldn't be in the cupboard. His door says, keep out Max's room on it. Yeah. And now we know why. She's only got herself to blame. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we meet Alison, who uh, is, like you say, a foot taller than Max. Clearly and one of the other kids' I, mums who's sitting in. <laughs> I think when I watched this, she was the one I was supposed to fancy. Yeah. I think, but unfortunately I fancied Sarah Jessica Parker, well, which fair is pro- enough. problematic. Yeah. 15-year-old me was very confused and mixed up. It's not problematic, is it? I mean, is it? No. No, it's fine. No. Sarah Jessica Parker is literally the embodiment of sexiness in this film. I yeah. think that's fair to say. Yeah. Okay, good. So they end up at the museum shop, the museum being the Sanderson sisters' old house. And this is a bit of a weird scene. So Max kind of dares himself to light the candle. There isn't the classic, like, oh, you you wouldn't, you wouldn't. And even Alison is like, we can leave. She's not like, prove to me that you are a man after all or whatever. So he kind of has a conversation with himself and then lights the candle with his favourite lighter. Yeah, which is a candle made of uh, the wax has come from the fat of a hangman. Yes. Yeah, hangman's skin, which yeah. Which doesn't seem very fair. If you're a man who is job whose job it is to hang witches to then when you die have your fat be turned into a candle to bring witches no. back it kind of undermines it undermines your entire job did they not say hanged man hanged hanged man I think hangman no I don't mm. I think hangman because it explains why there is a hangman at the start hanging them well, they have to have a hangman. You're not going to step off yourself, are you? Oh, what, the scaffold's here? No, save yourself the trouble. If you don't step off, it proves you're not a witch. Oh, ah, <laughs> well, I then, can't, I don't know. You're not going to step off. I feel like here it's literally the book from The Evil Dead as well. Did you not think? Oh, it's yeah. the Necronomicon. Yeah. 
Um, we'll just steal that. Give it a noise. Give it a sound. You need some reciprocation of the love Bette Midler shows that book. Like It just sort of opens an eye and floats at her. <laughs> I think it should go like... Prr, prr. <laughs> like make it an affectionate relationship. Before, before yeah. he lights the candle, though, he does say, oh, come on, it's just a bunch of hocus-pocus. Great. Get that in there. Gotta like it. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta like I it. I do like that. Gotta have the title in the film. And so the, the plot, such as it is, is established that the witches are back and they want to catch some kids to live forever, I think, or to, to live longer than um, the short amount of time they'll have because they've got Yeah, they'll cease to exist if they don't use the spell book, brew a potion and drink it before sunrise. Yeah, before sunrise. And yet, real, no real sense of urgency. No, no rush. <laughs> There's no sense no. of urgency about what they do. There's a ticking clock, but they don't seem to be able to hear it. Even though they're the ones <laughs> who point it out. They're the ones who go... We got till dawn. They go, can have a sing song. <laughs> I did um, go on. What? No, just and there's also no sense. There's no fear. Like they're they're like you know they they don't they don't seem to realise it will all be over. There's no they don't worry. There's I I, I have a problem. Yeah, with them. Look, they want to have a sing song and go and have a little dance with Gary Marshall. That's that's <laughs> that's what they. That's the priorities. There's it's a shame. There's not more of. The, the oh, one of the characters says there are a bunch of witches in the 20th century. They've got no chance. And the one uh, visual joke is that they won't step onto a tarmac road. And yep. that's funny. Like, it's a black river and it is firm. And that's really funny. But the only other time they seem so obviously at odds with the world around them is when they try and get on a bus. And the bus scene is brilliant for the way that it's particularly Bette Midler in that scene. She's really good. But the lechiness of the bus driver is so peculiar. It is. It's, it's, I 100% agree. It's completely off that scene. And it could just be exercise. He even says, you girls are giving me a fever, which doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit with Halloween. Isn't something you say to people when uh, you fancy them. Hubble bubble. I'm in trouble. Perfect. Thank you. But he does say that. He does say that. <laughs> oh, does he? <laughs> oh. Does he? Oh, well, that's yeah. great yeah. because that makes more sense than you girls are giving me a fever. There's another scene uh, where they are at odds uh, with the modern world and peculiar. Uh, it's uh, when they're in a kitchen. Bette Midler wanders into the devil's kitchen uh, when they are invited into his home in another very strange sequence where the guy dressed as the devil goes... Come on in. Oh, yeah. My wife's watching TV, but I'll invite yeah. three strange women into my home. Cool. He's uh, the devil. <laughs> right, but he's not the devil. He's a guy dressed as the devil. Anyway, in that sequence, Bette Midler goes into the kitchen and picks up a, a wooden mallet and goes, ooh, a torture chamber. And you're yeah. like... You would have seen a mallet in 1665. Like that is that is one of the things you would have seen. Yeah. Knives, kitchen utensils, mm. they were around. D- don't don't they think he's the devil? They do, yeah. yeah they think he's and the they devil. say she reveals earlier in the film that she's been to hell. Therefore she has met the devil. Therefore the devil must look like Gary Marshall. <laughs> I don't have a problem with them thinking he's the devil. I have a problem with an adult man going, yeah, come on in. My wife's watching TV, but let's have a dance uh, in our living room. Uh, and also just the, I felt the, their shame when the wife is like, right, that's enough. Get out. I was like, oh God, I'm dying her, for you. I'm she dying. calls Sarah tart face. Tart face, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just remembered, doesn't, this is quite funny. She comes down the stairs, she's like, I've lost five pounds. <laughs> Strange. It's just, yeah, it doesn't. It's yeah. It's it's odd. It's odd. Like it's stunt casting to have Penny Marshall and Gary Marshall acting together for the first time in like twenty years on screen. But are they that big a deal? 
No. Like, it's, it's, it's off. It's completely off that scene. That scene is there so that you can have those two in the film. And I don't think the film really benefits terribly no, much. No, it's just more of a waste of time because then the kids are on the run from the witches, but they want them to be caught which is why we're going to get to the school because they're trying to tell the grown-ups what's happening and the witches are chasing the kids, but they've also got other things to be getting on with, like making the spell. Mm. There's another virgin shaming episode where the man that stresses a police officer, mm. a pretend police officer, is like, so you're a virgin? Yeah, and he's like, oh, weird. God, dying. Yeah. That's well, really weird. They tell him the whole story. They're like, <laughs> these three witches have come back, we're in trouble. Uh, and the, the only thing he asks is he goes, so is, uh, is it true? <laughs> are you a virgin? And then his little sister pipes up and goes, it is, yeah, he's a, he's a virgin. <laughs> she mi- doesn't miss a trick to beat him with that stick in this film. <laughs> or that birch. Oh, oh. nice. Very nice. <laughs> um, were, you, were you guys uh, allowed to trick or treat when you were kids? Yep. Yes, oh. we were. Were you not? No, my mum my mum said it's begging, so don't. <laughs> that was it. Oh, do you know what? I think it was because you grew up in Croydon. Probably. <laughs> no, that's dangerous. probably one of the reasons. She was, one of the reasons. she was worried you'd end up on Pendle Hill. So that's, <laughs> uh, that's uh, my first Pendle Hill joke. <laughs> that's going in the book. Uh, oh, no, I feel like I missed out. You, but it's not begging because the whole essence of it is, in theory... Trick or treat, but and, uh, have you ever been to a house? Um, obviously, you haven't, Chris. But have you ever been to a house and they've gone trick? No, of course not. So what is? I don't know where the trick bit comes from. Uh, do they not? Is it not more in the US? Are they not a bit into the trick kind of thing? Well, that's where it started, though. The idea was that you would get a trick or a treat, but obviously it's developed from that that you can't play tricks on strange children coming. I mean, to your I door. Used to, where I grew up was not. Uh, not not that rough, not that well healed, and you did get some scary kids that have got no costumes. Like, give me some money, <laughs> and then it'd be like, Dad. Because <laughs> when I was a little kid, trick or treating wasn't even a thing here. Really, like, I think ET is the thing that really got British kids wanting to trick or treat. We, it wasn't a traditional thing in the sixties and seventies here. I don't know, but it wasn't. We went really round wasn't. the estate. You know, it was it was yeah. it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, I don't we, let the kids do it now. We went, we went. We went round. You don't let the kids do it. No, it's it begging. Years. It's begging. No, it's why? Fucking dangerous. Do you think? Do you think times have changed? Uh, that sounds like a very leading question. No, I'm just interested because I where the, there's a wood near my house which I used to play in as a kid, and now I sometimes go probably not going to walk through that as an adult. Yeah, uh, because uh, probably scary people in there. I just wouldn't let them do it because you just oh god, this sounds so parochial and awful, doesn't it? You just don't know everyone who lives on the street, and and also you don't want to annoy people, and you don't want them to get shouted at by someone who's not into it. And but there's a system now. You put a, you put something in the window. You put a pumpkin yeah. uh, on the outside. Oh, or, I didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't do it, but it's no concern of yours, non trick or treater. <laughs> no, but for kids coming to my door as well. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I just did anybody up. else feel that? That was so I, weird. I did as well, and I don't know why. Because it was I fine. Yeah. There shouldn't have been anything that, wrong. With I that. turn the lights off and pretend I'm not in. That's how I deal with scared. Halloween night. Yeah, you're just scared. I don't want to give away sweets. <laughs> oh right, okay. So it's, you don't combine the two. You don't put a pumpkin on the porch and then turn the lights out and pretend you're not in and watch the kids approach. <laughs> <Really> confused. <laughs> Crying outside. (laughs) (laughs) Trick. Yeah. Uh, So, um, I just want to say I'd massively forgotten the part of this film just before we talk about the musical part where the kids trick the witches into a kiln via a French vocal test. (laughs) (laughs) Did anybody else remember that? I was like, what's going on? By this point, I was so dulled to the insanity of this movie and the fact that nothing really makes sense and things are just thrown in willy-nilly. A a French test luring witches into a kiln who can be burnt to death and then recreate themselves through absolutely no information contained within the movie, yeah. it's fine. I, it's fine. I was numb by this point. Okay, we'll talk about the musical after a short break. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So the sing-along is uh, clearly... Uh, from a different from a different script pass from I don't know <laughs> like it's head and shoulders above a lot of other stuff I, I think I imagine it's how much it costs to get Bette Midler to do a song in your movie mm. and how much they could afford do for her think, to do songs do you think I, I, I always like to think she's like let me sing let me sing like no Bette Midler you can't she's like please let me because everyone's going to love it and then she does and they're like oh why don't we just do 90 minutes of this that's what they should have done I, if they filmed that scene last more full them they should have opened with that and gone we should replace the French cassette in the kiln scene <laughs> with another fucking song. You can lose that. Wind, wind beneath my wings. That wouldn't work. Um, <laughs> if the whole film had been a musical, I'm fine with it. But I find this scene a bit cringy. And I love listening to Bette Midler sing. <gasps> really? Why? Yeah, Why it just, I don't it? know. It feels, oh, we've got to stop the film now that's not a musical <clears throat> because she has to sing. And I, f- I just find it a bit cringeworthy. If the whole film had been like that, I don't think I would have had a problem with it. Well, you'll love Hocus Pocus 2 coming to Disney Plus <laughs> at soon. Yeah. Uh, with the short film Becoming Thackeray <laughs> just before. <laughs> Copyright Vicky Crompton. <laughs> Title by Alex Zane. <laughs> so the kids think the witches are, they've perished. And they just go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, you say it like that, it sounds stupid. It's been a long night. It's been a long night. <laughs> it's, why are there none of them tired? It's about five in the morning at this point mm. as well. Um, but it's just that at what point do you curl up in a blanket? Like, at what point? Why would he sort of. He's a very confident young man. He is, I, yeah. I have a theory that Max Dennison is a bit of a wrong un in this movie because the minute he gets his hand on the zipper, he's like, fucking awesome. <laughs> Oh, I've got fucking lighter now. And then everything. there's a bit later on when he's fighting uh, with oh, I know you're with, with William Butcher's son, mm. the the good zombie. Yeah. With him. He's got a fucking knife on him from somewhere. <laughs> Max pulls out a knife and tries to have the zombie with it. It's like this kid is a lighter, a knife. He is a bad person. Yeah. He's trouble. Alison should not be curling up with him. There is a bit as well after the at some point in the school. He's been he's frustrated that something hasn't gone his way, and he kicks a bin really hard. <laughs> and it's such a man gesture, like oh fuck this, like kick a bin. And it's like no. You you can't. You're supposed to be like. I love the fact that they're like you, California kid. You don't know how it works around here, and that is that is signaled by he's wearing a tie dye T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> That's an excellent part. So then it all like sort of unravels a bit for me here. Um, apart from oh, Alison, here, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're with it until this point. Okay, I kind of am. I mean, Alison wakes up. She's like, I should go home. It's like, yes, you should go home mm. because you've been out all night. You with you're supposed to be about fifteen. No one knows where you are. Mm. You should go home. But when she wakes up, at first I was like, oh, it's daylight. It looks mm. like daylight. But then they get round that by going, oh, it's five o'clock in the morning. So the sun well, hasn't come up yet. Yeah, she so she says I should go home. And you know what Max says. Should you? Oh, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> He's like, maybe stick around, you yeah. know, because I don't want this virgin joke to go on too yeah. long. And you're in trouble now, so you might as well, <laughs> like, yeah, I get that. Um, and then it does get a little bit, this bit does annoy me. So the witches have their portion and all will be well. And Sarah Jessica Parker has bewitched the children. So it's like everything's gone brilliantly for them. She sings a song. Yeah. Called Come Little Children. Yes. And that is written by James Horner. Really? Seventh appearance in a Clash wow. film. Uh, he didn't do the score for the film, but he came in to do a couple of songs, and including that one. Just thought, just add that in, because we love a bit of Horner on this show. <laughs> we do. Mm. Um, but Winifred really wants Danny to be the child that she steals the life essence from, because Danny was rude to her, <laughs> basically. Oh, that's right. She she calls her old, I think, or she says, yeah. oh, she's ugly. Or, something. She, or a hag, an yeah, ugly hag. Just cusses her. Yeah. And so Winifred gambles everything, basically, on getting Danny rather than the hundreds of other children. Thousands, the whole town the of whole children town are of standing children. outside. Uh, Which, waiting, actually, get, like take my just life force. Reach, yeah, reach mm. out with your hand and grab one of them. Mm. And also, you could do that and then settle your score with Danny. Which, and so I kind of admire that kind of sort of idiotic stubbornness. But really, priorities like it doesn't really make sense. Um, then Again, there's the bit that you're going to die in in an hour. An hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's the false sunrise joke, such as it is with the headlights, which is quite fun. It gives the chance, the, the three witches, a chance to like fall around and sort of the interview with the vampire second mention to pretend to be burned by the sun. Um, and then we're running down the clock, basically, in a graveyard again. Um, I have a problem with this as well. I mean, I don't mind a little bit of wire work, but I find it troubling that you've set your climax where three of your cast sort of are suspended <laughs> and the rest of them are on the ground. And it just... It's like a flyby. It's sort of... It's very strange. You can't, So they're in a graveyard and the witches can't stand on the ground. So they're sort of up in the air and you're down on the ground. And there's a real... 
feels very disparate between the threat and yeah. and you. Uh, it's strange. Yeah. And we- the wire work's not that good. I mean, if you wanted to watch three capable actresses looking quite uncomfortable <laughs> for the final act of your movie, then well done. Because that's, that's what happens. None of them look happy on those brooms <laughs> at all. That's true. Um, a nice, uh, quite a neat uh, resolution of the arc such as it is, between Max and Danny, which is he drinks the potion, so Winifred will have to take him. And that kind of resolves whatever issues uh, Max has had with his little sister about, you know, he's mean to her about wanting to go trick-or-treating and all the rest of it. Although, to be fair, now that we've spoken about it in length, about her shaming him, maybe they just shouldn't get on. I don't know. There's Maybe there's no love lost. Like, she is quite mean to him. Who knows? Um, and then time just runs out, and that's it. And <laughs> Bette Midler turns into a statue. Yeah, so Day- daylight savings is the solution. So why does she oh, turn yeah. into a statue? I don't know. She turns into a statue uh, because not because of dawn, but because she suddenly realizes she's standing in the graveyard. Oh, is that it? I think so because the others explode in the air, but she turns to stone first. So oh, it must okay. be because she suddenly realizes, "Oops, I'm standing in a graveyard." That was always going to happen because I've been hovering above a graveyard for <laughs> about twenty minutes now. So what are the chances? High. <laughs> Are the chances that this was going to happen? Yeah. Um, Thackeray then turns back into a boy and we... Turn um, into a force ghost of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and then we bookend the film with a little bit more virgin shaming. The last line, I'll just read it to you. I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. End. That's that's it. The film cannot let that go. Doesn't he call him an airhead virgin? There I is think someone calls him an, calls him an airhead virgin, Yeah. yeah. Um, and that. I mean, you're calling a kid who wanders around the town with a knife and a zippo an airhead virgin. It's a mistake. I mean, you're winding him up. Something's <laughs> going to happen. But it is. It is just such a time portal. Like you, I don't think that would happen today. I don't think. I don't think. Well, one joke wouldn't hopefully get like run into the ground as much. But the one joke that if it did would not be about a teenager's virginity mm. and maybe it was what do you think it was funny because he's a boy and it's i don't i don't get you I, if, he, if he, max was a girl that's all kinds of not good. oh yeah and you they wouldn't you wouldn't do it no you wouldn't do it if, if, if it was allison who was the virgin i mean yeah. there would be no jokes it would be like well of, of course yeah. but at least he takes it in good humor because there's that there is that point where he goes do you know what i'll get it tattooed on my forehead and you don't like, need to do that you yeah just I, need to. I, I, you just I, need your little sister around the whole time going <laughs> there he is virgin Well, I was 15 when this film came out. I definitely knew what a virgin was because I definitely was one. But I I dread to think how many kids watch this with their parents much younger. And and it it caused, because it comes up so often, invariably you're going to ask that awkward question. What is that? What is that? Because it's it's such a huge plot point. Yeah. And I just, I'm comfortable with that in kids' films. Like, it shouldn't be kids' films teaching kids these facts of life. Because if your parents watch them with your kids and the, the kids are like, what's a virgin? And parents are like, well, I'll tell you in good time. I'll tell you in the future. They go, an eight-year-old girl knows what a virgin mm. is. Tell me now. I'm ten. It's like that. Oh, yeah. See, there, and then there's a nice opportunity for a joke where she's misunderstood what it is the whole time to like buffer go. her innocence, mm. and then. Yeah. Yeah. But she's not. She's not that innocent. She's reading a sex diary, watching him masturbate. You there isn't a sex diary <laughs> in this film. There isn't. Is there? Um, and that's all I have about it, Hocus Pocus. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it would not surprise me if there was. Um, I do like. Um, I, I, I do really like um, William Butcherson, uh, yeah. though the the good zombie. Yeah, um, it's really good. Or uh, Deadwood Scissorhands, as I'm calling him, <laughs> played by 
Doug Jones. Yeah. And there's some great behind the scenes footage of him. We talked about this on the Candyman episode. He had a similar thing where they put two <gasps> they put two dental dams in his mouth and one of one of them had moths in and what? the other had dust in. So that he was able to spit dust and moths when he opens his mouth. And those were real moths in his mouth. So That's the bravest man alive, <laughs> quite frankly. Apart that, Tony Todd. It's that's horrifying, horrifying. Yeah. Uh, so shall we do the bits? Sure. I mean, I would just say one other thing. Um, Hocus Pocus is one of the biggest hits of the year this year because it's been re-released in American cinemas. Uh, the 2000 cinemas that are open, um, a lot of them are playing it at the moment. It's made $4 million as we record this and it'll continue for the next couple of weeks, I think, making money. So this is the biggest re-release of the year. And Bette Midler performs, uh, she did a tour where she performed, uh, I put a spell on you, dressed as Winifred the Witch. I mean, like, you they talk ha- about cult and classic and at least one of those words is appropriate to this movie. And they're having some kind of reunion. Um, you know, they're doing a lot of cast reunions online at the moment. They're having some kind of reunion the day the day this podcast drops, the day before or after. So I, I, and I think because they heard that we were doing this, I think yeah. they wanted to... I saw some photographs in. from a cast reunion already. And the, I think there was... Well, I'm, I'm guessing, and I'm not saying this is what happened, but the first picture, so it's on someone's Instagram. It's like a really clear shot of the cast and it's like Thora Birch and... Uh, what's she called? Vanessa. Can't remember. Sure, that's Vanessa Shaw. And they all look really good and really happy to see each other. And then the the quality just gets gradually worse and worse and worse. And it's like you know when you just had like too much to drink. It's like there's a photo. Bet, bet. song. Do a funny song. No, because it's the bit that everyone fucking likes. So why don't you do a song? It's the only good. It's the only good bit of the movie. Do you know song? Then fuck off, bet. And do you know the song "Almost Unreal" by Roxette? from the movie Super Mario Brothers. I only know that it was meant to be in here because doesn't she sing She lit the choruses. (laughs) The choruses. I love when you do that hocus pocus to me. Yeah. I always thought when I watched Mario that there's not magic in Mario. (laughs) And then, yeah, it was written for this uh, film but they they were replaced on this film and uh, (laughs) the Super Mario Brothers were like, we'll have it. (laughs) A lot of care went into making (laughs) Super Mario Brothers. It's all up there on screen. Uh, right, so let's do the bits. Um, Alex, of this film that you love so much, what was your best scene? And I do genuinely love this scene. I, I think it's brilliant. And uh, I watched this movie with Nettie. It was one of her favourite movies as a kid. Uh, she was very unhappy with my questions afterwards, which consisted of, but why? <laughs> why was this one of your favourite movies? Oh, so your missus <laughs> was as annoyed, as annoyed as our listeners might be. <laughs> Love this film. Yeah, she was. Uh, she, uh, her answer was she loved the theatricality of it and the performances. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and I was like, agreed, Nettie. I was like, that's that's interesting. The song is the good bit, Nettie, <laughs> and the song is my best scene. It is the only good moment in this movie, but it is a very, very good moment, and I have watched it after watching the movie on YouTube just to enjoy it all over again. What about you? We got some anachronisms all over the place here, and I like one of the jokes. Uh, we also talk about liking the rule of three on this podcast: broom, mop, vacuum cleaner. Mm. That really made me laugh when she flies out on the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, me too. Yeah, um, undoubtedly stolen from a cartoon from about fifty years ago, no doubt. I, mean, I've, I feel like I've seen that joke before. It's 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 not a great joke. Uh, mine oh, is... so it's it's down as my favorite scene. So, <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't, it, it's, it's established. Bloody marvelous. <laughs> 
Uh, mine is also the song because, but also I re- I don't like musicals and I really like this, so it must be like top drawer. Like yeah. it has to be gold standard because otherwise it's like oh shush. Um, Do you know why it's also good? It's because it's a spell because she's putting a spell on the, the parents yes. to keep dancing all night, and the the look on their faces is perfect. Especially uh, Max's parents. Their dad is just like this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> it's great, and that's another good bit where. Um, Danny meets her mum. Mm. Her mum is wearing the Madonna, like conical the, bra, the conical bra thing. And you can see uh, Thora Birch is so good in this movie. You can mm. see Thora sort of going, uh, and her mum's drawn is it's just Madonna. Yeah, <laughs> but just... then Thora Birch, we've, we've established she's quite sexually advanced, so I don't see why she's so surprised. Like, why have you got pointy tits, mum? That would have been great. If nice tits. <laughs> just just that, if she'd got nice tits. I don't like that joke, though, because I feel like it just it completely dates your movie if you're going to base a joke on an outfit that someone's worn the year before, or, you know, two years before. Where please. is calling a 15-year-old a virgin for two hours? Just, <laughs> that doesn't date it. Um, most valuable whatever, Chris. Oh. <clears throat> I said what? Angelica Houston last time. I'm going to say Bette Midler this time. <clears throat> of course. It's a bit obvious, but I love watching her in anything and everything. And uh, I think this film is much better whenever she's on screen. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just have to save, because it's just to save my breath. Me too. Mm. That's She's mine. What about you? Do you know what? Because I think Bette Midler's fantastic. I think the prosthetics that they've done to her mouth really limit her facial expressions in this movie so she doesn't sell some of the jokes as well. That as... was her decision as well. She she helped design and create that. She wanted a little red mouth in the mm. middle there and the, she wanted the big teeth. That was all her. It reduces how expressive her face is though, which I think undersells mm-hmm. some of the jokes. So I don't think it was a wise decision. Uh, my MVW is Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, I think she's the best of the witches for numerous reasons. I like her character. I think she's the funniest. And also, she is officially now going to be my Halloween costume this year. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I shall be sitting in my flat dressed as Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> I'll leave you with that image. <laughs> oh, no. Um, one change. What would you change, Alex? One. That's so funny because I wrote a million things. Uh, either make the witches scarier or make them more fearful of their upcoming demise. Make Thackeray's journey to banish the witches and be re- reunited with his dead sister the main storyline if your final image and emotional kicker is going to be them journeying to the afterlife together, which is like, is this, this was never the main story, was was this the main story? Did I miss something here that now I'm supposed to be like, they're finally reunited. He mentions it once as a cat. Um, so, yeah, but mainly my main change is, and I really do believe this, and I do think the movie would be better if they just let some jokes breathe. Like they just just dial it back once, like just once on the dial and like you want to just hear like a punchline without another of the witches squawking over it mm. and just tone it down because when the three of them together what should be a brilliant comedy dynamic just falls flat because before someone's finished delivering their joke the other one's like blah, 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 and it's just a wall of noise and i got tired and that is why you need to be on a shit ton of sugar or something stronger to keep up with this movie. <laughs> they do talk over each other a lot. And Too it is, much. Yeah, it's frustrating. What about you? So they need the lifeblood of a, of a kid for them to come back. 
So why can't it just be a kid that has to light the candle? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to make this virgin thing. So I, I wrote down, I don't want to sound like a prude, but the virgin thing is unnecessary. And it, it really is because it just needs to be a kid. That's all yeah. you need to say. It's fine. And it's only in the 90s that children are allowed to handle lighters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, my change is... Act three, let's hide in a graveyard, is a repetition of the graveyard. So the last big set piece just has to be somewhere else, um, somewhere more symbolic. You can still have, oh, they can't land or some spell nonsense that means they can't go there, but it can't just be the graveyard. So then I thought in Act one, when you've got the hangings, of you can tell me you've been to Salem, there must be a very iconic town square of some description mm. where they had gallows every, oh, if they didn't let's just pretend they did so a huge rack of gallows is that the collective whatever so a rack of gallows big clock just a very iconic looking town square back to the future like back to the like back to the future <laughs> and that's where they died and so the set the final set piece takes place in the town square the witches can't land there because some spell witchy stuff they died there so they can't touch the ground there so you don't just have the same graveyard I don't know if they ran out of money but you don't want to use the same set for your big Big set piece that you've already used, mm. do you? Mm. Um, and that's my change. And I think that's actually pretty good. <sighs> it's a good change. Thanks. Good change. I yeah. did feel a bit like treading treading water, you know, uh, when they return to the graveyard, which yeah. is an amazing feeling in a movie <laughs> this full of nutty stuff <laughs> that at any point you go, I feel like I'm treading water now. Yeah. All right, then. That is Hocus Pocus. Shall we do the verdict? <laughs> You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! All right. Uh, Well, it was uh, my movies that uh, won uh, the poll uh, that ends us up here. So I will uh, go last. And uh, I think we all know (laughs) which way I'm going, but I do have reasons. So uh, who would like to go first? Hands in the air now. Vicky. Oh, it's really hard. It's really hard. It's been... Even when uh, you put these together in the poll, I wasn't sure. And when I was watching them, I wasn't sure. And talking about them, I'm still not sure. So let me just bore everyone okay. while I think this thing through. Sure. Um, Verbalise. It's so, and I think it's, so. We're really going to split hairs because one of them is based on a book that I love so much, but is a very linear film and is essentially well. It's not essentially it is as you said in the um, first episode. <clears throat> is a lecture. And also a lot of the book depends on Luke just happening to be in the right pl- wrong place at the wrong time kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I don't enjoy, but I love that book so much. But Hocus Pocus, I feel so much warmth towards, even though when I watched it, I was like, oh, it's not perfect. Um, but because of, oh, no, I don't know. Oh, no, I don't know. I really don't know. Chris, do you want to step yeah, in? Yeah, please. Sure. Help um, me out. <laughs> the witches loses points for changing the ending. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But Angelica Houston's performance and the way it taps into these fears of not being able to trust adults has really stayed with me. Yeah. Um, With Hocus Pocus, I love Bette Midler and I love the concept, but I think the film's a bit all over the place, as you said, Alex, many times. Um, It's just a bit of a mess. And I feel like this repeating like exposition and I wasn't entirely sure what was going on at the end. Um, So ultimately... I'm a horror guy. 
and I like scary witches, so I'm going for the witches. Okay, so I'm going to go for Hocus Pocus because we judge the films as they are and we can't use the source material and the ending ruins the witches, so... Hocus Pocus. And, and I know I've been really down on Hocus Pocus, but this is actually a really tough decision for me because I hate the ending of The Witches. I think it ruins the movie. And I also wouldn't want to watch The Witches again, mm. which is the big turning point for me in this verdict because while I enjoyed watching The Witches, it's very staid and it's very, like you say, linear and it just plods along under its own sort of like quite slow momentum. And then it's done. Hocus Pocus is full of shit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) However, you know that I love utterly insane things and I have a real penchant for watching terrible movies again because it fascinates me more than it should. And, I'm going to shock myself here, but based on that, I'm going with Hocus Pocus. This is like M. Night Shyamalan wrote this <laughs> verdict for him. I did not see that twist coming. No, I, I, has, has Nettie threatened you? Because <laughs> I can see myself dressed as Sarah Jessica Parker on Halloween, yeah. getting drunk and watching Hocus Pocus because yeah. it's mental. Yeah. It is a balmy movie and... I don't think I'd watch The Witches again and I will watch Hocus Pocus again for that reason. So Hocus Pocus, despite everything... This is mental. This is deranged. (laughs) It's the winner this week! (laughs) Congratulations to Hocus Pocus, that insane piece of shit movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, well... Our Halloween countdowns are done just before Halloween, but we do now have to look ahead to next week. Uh, It is my choices. Uh, The clue I gave you on Tuesday, Monday's episode was Fallen Down. Uh, This is going to be a surprise for both of you. Has either of you worked it out based on that? No. Falling Down. Fallen Down. Yeah, so the film is Falling Down. Fallen Down. (laughs) She's guessing. Yeah, I know. Falling Down. It's like a window. (laughs) Uh, And I'm going to guess, is one of them Falling Down? (laughs) The Michael Douglas film. Right, so the clue wasn't Falling Down, it was Fallen (laughs) Down. So, with the US election coming up, we're going to have our own vote on who should be in the White House because, Chris, you get Olympus has fallen and, Victoria, have fun with White House down. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I'm thrilled. Those are your movies for next week's show. Um, All right, thank you so much for listening. Hocus Pocus fans, I I, I imagine you're happy uh, and surprised uh, at the result. Uh, have a really 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 good Halloween I'm going to eat another fizzy whizzy wing and uh, say goodbye please subscribe to us rate and review us and uh, just have a great Halloween it's the best night of the year and whatever the state of the world at the moment there's still fun to be had on Halloween so I hope you have a good one take care bye bye This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.